All right, this week on the podcast, we're kind of all over the place. We're going to talk about bird watching and a rare bird was seen in Colombia. We're going to talk about 80s music. Kate Bush is back in the Billboard charts. And we're going to talk about retro gaming, my experience with Link's Awakening. And we have an auction alert as well. So anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's see what happens and let's get started. Now, I know this is a retro game movie pop culture podcast, but I came across this article and I thought it was really important because it's not, you know, just about, you know, seeing a rare bird. It's more about the planet and, you know, what? We need to be environmentally conscious and we need to save the planet and we need to make these animals not extinct because of what we do as human beings. Anyway, so I'm going to get on my soapbox. So here we go. All right, now first off, the pronunciation of this this uh, rare bird that was spotted is called a saber wing. But I came across two pronunciations because I just wanted to make sure that it was saber wing and not sabruin. So I recorded some audio from some online dictionary, and this is what I got, okay? I can't make this up. Sabruin. 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 Sabruing. Okay, and now here is the quote-unquote normal pronunciation that I got from another online dictionary. Saberwing. All right, so there you go. Uh, so for the rest of this um, segment of the podcast when I'm talking about this bird, I will call it a saberwing. But I really, really want to say sabruin just to sound cool. Um, I grabbed this article from Gizmodo. I originally ran across it on The Guardian, but I like the Gizmodo article better. So anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes. Drink. One of the world's rarest lost birds, quote, was photographed in Colombia. The Santa Marta saberwing has now been documented in the wild only twice since its formal discovery only 70 years ago. Now, right off the bat, I thought that was pretty cool. All right, this bird was has only it was first discovered in 1946, in uh, along the Sierra Nevada de Santa Marta mountains of Colombia. Conservationists in Colombia have recently discovered one of the most elusive and mysterious creatures in the world, a singing and shimmering emerald green species of hummingbird known as the Santa Marta saberwing. The sighting is only the second ever documented since, it's, since it was first identified, and the first in over a decade. Sadly, the bird is one of many species in the area threatened by habitat loss. The rareness of the saberwing has become so noteworthy that in 2021, a coalition of conservation organizations added it to its top 10 most wanted birds to rediscover. The release of the list also heralded the start of the group's new Search for Lost Birds initiative, led primarily by the organization ReWild, spelled R-E colon wild. The group has since funded new expeditions to look for these rarest of birds, but the rediscovery of the Santa Marta Saberwing was nothing more than sheer good fortune. Local birdwatcher Jürgen Vega had been working to study other native birds in the mountains, and he was just about to leave the area when he came across a male saberwing perched on a branch. 
and the bird was courteous enough to stay there long enough for Vega to take photos and videos of it. He even got to hear the bird sing. Now, if you're wondering what Mr. Vega heard, the background noise that you hear right now, it's not noise, it's the song of the saber wing. It's, uh, it's kind of this sort of maniacal chirping, but uh, that, that right there is the sound of the saber wing. Anyway, I just thought it was really cool. So that somebody, you know, saw this bird, okay? And this bird has only been seen three times, twice confirmed. I mean, can you imagine only being seen three times? That's crazy. But I think it's just bullshit that, you know, this bird is on the threat of extinction because we're cutting down, you know, the rainforest for God knows whatever the hell that we need. You know, it's just... It's, it's bullshit, and it's, this bird is a beautiful bird. Just uh, Google Santa Marta saber wing, and it's this like, iridescent, emerald-colored bird, and it's got um, a black beak. It's, it's a beautiful bird, and it's, you know, all right, fine, it's not the most beautiful-sounding bird, but this bird should be allowed to live, and it shouldn't go extinct because of human activity and all the fucking things that we need, you know, whether it be wood or whatever, you know? It's just share the fucking planet. Um, it just pisses me off to see that, you know, animals are being driven to extinction because humans are a bunch of assholes. Alright, so there I go. I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. But uh, check out this article in Gizmodo about the Saberwing. You say Saberwing, I say Saberwing. Alright, so let's roll the clocks back like a week ago. I get off work and I'm rolling through the radio stations and I'm trying to tune in 98 Rock. 98 Rock is the local radio station that plays the Oriole games. So I'm, I'm trying to get to 98 Rock and I hear Kate Bush's running up that hill come on the radio and I like the song so I decide to listen to it. But I look at the station and it's Mix 106.5. Mix 106.5 is the local iHeart radio station. They play nothing but Top 40. They've got those snarky, annoying fucking DJs that sound like they just drink way too much coffee and they love life way too much. So anyway, I hear this song and I'm like, okay, that was weird. Why well, play that song? A couple days later, I'm doing the same thing. I'm rolling through the stations, I'm trying to get 98 Rock to listen to the Oriole game, and what do I hear? Kate Bush. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, to hear the song twice is just... odd. So I ask Siri while I'm in the car, alright, I don't condone using your phone while you're driving, so I was quasi-hands-free when I did this. I ask Siri, why is Kate Bush so popular right now? And apparently, Running Up That Hill was used in the latest season of Stranger Things. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was laid up with COVID, and I actually thought about, you know, watching Stranger Things because I had nothing to do. Um, unfortunately, I ended up watching anime and Cowboy Bebop, and um, when I had all this time, I should have been watching Stranger Things. So now I have to go back and watch Stranger Things because they used this song. I started season three and I didn't finish it and I liked season one I don't remember season two but the song that they're playing on the radio is a it's a remix from 2012 that Kate Bush released um, the original this is the one that you're hearing now this is the original album version from uh, oh, what was the name of that album it's like the hound oh the hounds of love 
and that was released in 1985. I never owned it. I just like this one song. It's, it's kind of dancey, gothy, kind of dark. It's kind of stuff I really liked um, growing up. I grabbed this from Wikipedia. Quote, running up that hill gained renewed attention in May 2022 after it was featured in the fourth season of the Netflix series Stranger Things. Kate Bush had rarely allowed her songs to be licensed but agreed because she was a fan of the show. Following the premiere, Spotify revealed streams for the song increased by 9,900% in the United States. I just think it's really funny that a whole generation of kids are listening to Kate Bush, you know, 40, almost 40 years after the song was released. Now, here's a factoid, and I'm not sure if it's true or not. Apparently, Kate Bush owns all of her own music. It's not owned by someone else. And apparently she's made something like a million dollars in royalties in just like the last month from the song getting replayed. Which is crazy when you think about it. I mean, I don't know how much she was making before, you know, uh, you know, Stranger Things, but she's definitely sitting pretty now. I'm going to put a link in the show notes uh, to the YouTube video that I got this from. Uh, it's got some very uh, interpretive dance thing going. It's a very strange video, but it's a good song, and it's really cool that you know kids are being exposed to good music and none of that god-awful top 40 shit that just sounds like it comes out of a drum machine and a synthesizer. Yeah, I don't like modern music. I don't listen to the radio at all. The only time I do listen to the radio is when I'm listening to the Orioles game, and that's how I found that Kate Bush is popular again. So anyway, enjoy the rest of Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill. Alright, finally we're going to talk about some retro video games and not uh, modern music and bird watching. Alright, so Friday I got my copy of Zelda Link's Awakening from Shop Goodwill. And I popped it right in, I set up the GameCube with the Game Boy Player, and I am loving this game. My wife, on the other hand, is not loving this game, and the reason is I set up my green screen so I could live stream it to my Twitch account at twitch.com slash two consoles too late. But when I set up the green screen, it's really hard to reach uh, one of our kitchen cabinets and it's just totally pissing off my wife right now. So she is not liking Link's Awakening. Now, let me preface this. I have the Nintendo Switch version. And before I played that, I really wanted to play this original from 1993, and I'm really, really glad that I got this version and played it before I even touched it on the Switch. Now, I can't even play it on the Switch anyway, because my son's been in quarantine since I got, me and my wife got COVID. He's been staying at Grandma's, so I don't even have the Switch, so it's kind of a happy accident anyway. I'm just happy to be playing a 2D Zelda again. I just finished Wind Waker, and I'm playing Twilight Princess. 
So it's nice to kind of roll the clocks back to a happier time in gaming, a simpler time in gaming, when graphics were basic and soundtracks, the Ballad of the Windfish was just a series of bloops and bleeps like this. But I really, really, really wanted to play this first before I played the Switch version. And it's really given me an appreciation of the game. It's kind of a sequel to A Link to the Past. If I hadn't played A Link to the Past, playing Link's Awakening would be very difficult because they took a lot of things from A Link to the Past. Things like um, the Pegasus boots, the mirror shield, uh, the hookshot. The first time we saw the hookshot was A Link to the Past. It, it's made its way back into Link's Awakening. It's funny to see though that this was the first uh, Zelda title to be on a handheld and the team that developed it, um, they did not develop A Link to the Past. Um, so it's kind of a strange game. I'll put a link in the show notes, Drink, to this, uh, it's a video that this guy did of the history of the game. It's actually really interesting. It's really funny though because the game has I guess what you could call like cameos from other uh, Nintendo characters and figures. Um, so far it's like, um, let's see here, the big one is the Chomp Chomp. Um, it's like the uh, the ball that tries to eat Mario. It's in uh, Super Mario Super Mario 3, the second level, the desert level. There's a whole bunch of Chomp Chomps. But in this game they're not trying to kill you. They're actually, they're like dogs or something. Anyway, so there's Chomp Chomps. Uh, there's Goombas. You go into some of the uh, in some of the dungeons. You go in these passageways, and there's Goombas. Who else is in there from Nintendo? Um, there's this NPC named Marin. He looks a lot like Mario. There's uh, you go to this one character. His name's Mr. Wright. Apparently, he's from some game. I don't know which one, but he hands you a card that's a picture of. I don't know why. He hands you a picture of this girl, and it's uh, Princess Peach from Mario, Mario 2, and I just thought that was strange. And lastly, um, Kirby. Kirby is in the second-to-last dungeon, the Face Shrine. Kirby's flying around. Um, he's really easy to kill. You just throw a boomerang at him, and Kirby's dead. So there's all these uh, old Nintendo characters in the game, which is kind of weird. I am putting together a first impressions video of my first time ever playing this game. At the beginning of the game, you don't have your sword, so you have to find your sword, and they give you a hint, uh, a couple hints, it's like, it's at the beach. <laughs> so it took me like 30 minutes to find the sword, I, it was so bad, but I didn't want to use an online, like, playthrough or something, I wanted to, I wanted to figure it out on my own, unfortunately it just took me 30 minutes. But I'm also gonna, uh, once I'm done with the original Link's Awakening, I'd, I'd say I have about... I don't know, a couple more days left with it. Um, I'm going to start with the Nintendo Switch version and get my first impressions of that and, you know, see how it compares to this original. And once that video is released, you can check it out at youtube.com slash, you know, just look for two consoles too late. Anyway, uh, Zelda Link's Awakening, great game. Uh, to the point where I'm actually thinking about trying to find a copy of the DX version just to try out the color dungeon that's the only addition to the game as well as some stupid side quest that uh was made for the game boy printer but i don't want to talk about that
The other night, I got home from work and I didn't want to play Zelda, but I just wanted to sort of decompress and run around and shoot guns at things. So I, I popped in, um, I, I fired up the PS3, and I tried to stream it to Twitch, and I get this black screen of death. Well, I wouldn't call it the black screen of death, but my screen goes black. And I close down my game capture software, and right away, it comes right back. And I Google this, and I find out that you cannot stream uh, anything to Twitch uh, from a PS3 because of copyright protection. And the only way to get around this is to get an analog component cable, not an HDMI cord. Now, the cord's only, like, what, six bucks? I think I saw it on Amazon. And I did see on YouTube there's a workaround I didn't try that if you hook the PS3 up to an HDMI splitter, somehow that might work. But I, I just, I do have an HDMI splitter. I just didn't try it because at this point I was just so, so fed up. I mean, I just thought it was like anything else. You just, you know, stream anything to the internet. Well, apparently not. So there you go. Two consoles too late here is limited by his, uh, lack of knowledge when it comes to this these technologies i mean i was gonna stream a whole bunch of stuff i have on ps3 i was gonna do siphon filter i was thinking about doing a let's play but i can't do that now um red dead redemption fallout 3 uh what else i even have some i think i still have some driving games i was thinking about doing that but i can't do any of that now because of this PlayStation copyright protection and the Elgato capture card and I just don't have the patience to figure it all out so sadly I'm just gonna have to stick to good old Nintendo stuff hello I'm Jackson and I'm a Zelda-holic <laughs> this is not another this is a really funny story <laughs> yeah so the only game that I Zelda game that I was missing in the collection so far was Skyward Sword and I was holding out because it's on the Nintendo Switch and from what I've seen so far it's not a great game and the motion controls are really weird but uh, I found a copy but it came with <laughs> it came with another Nintendo Wii so um, I now own four Nintendo Wiis it's getting out of hand folks it's getting really out of hand with this fourth one though, I'm gonna try to jailbreak it uh, just because I've seen videos on how to do it. And it looks pretty easy and if it doesn't work, then fuck it. You know, I've got three perfectly good working Nintendo Wiis. So what do you call a group of Nintendo Wiis? So if it's a gaggle of geese, I guess it would be a waggle of Wiis? Hmm. Auction alert, auction alert. Alright, this week's auction alert, it's not a sealed game, it's not something crazy, it's not going for hundreds and thousands of dollars, it's just a memory card. And I, for some reason I decided to highlight this because I, I just think this is really strange. It's a GameCube memory card, I don't know uh, what uh, size it is, you know, how many megabytes it is, it's definitely not in the gigabytes because they didn't make them that big. But anyway, I did a search for Metroid and this GameCube memory card comes up. And right now it's going for $16 and the auction ends later tonight. 
and with shipping and handling uh, I just looked at shipping if I had it shipped to here to my house it would have been $13 so let's say I put in a bid and it was then $17 17 and then I had it shipped it would cost $30 for this one GameCube memory card I'm not sure if somebody thought like, oh, I'm getting Metroid Prime on this memory card or something. I don't know. It just kind of blew my mind. So anyway, somewhere, someone out there is going to pay about $30 for a memory card. And that just blows my mind. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm the host, Jackson Keebler. This is Two Consoles Too Late. You can check me out at all sorts of places like Twitch and YouTube. Just look for Two Consoles Too Late. And you can also check me out at Patreon.com. Become a supporter of the show. You can get exclusive content. You can hear a podcast that no one else can hear. What's on that? Oh, bloopers, curse words, drug use, all kinds of stuff. But as always, have a good one. Bye. Are you coming over for coffee? Because if, if you want, I can make coffee. But I also have tea. I can make you cocoa. What do you like? I don't know. Maybe a nice cold glass of milk.